Well, hello there. Hello, everyone. Welcome to, I think, our sixth episode of The First Pancake. Thank you for joining us again. For those who are joining in real time, we really appreciate you. For those who are listening, uh, having heard of us at some time in the future, very much so, when uh, Sasha and I are both cruising around the world, um, being very successful and famous, we will appreciate you coming back and looking at our earlier work. That's very true. The Picasso notebooks, I, t- I tend to think of this as, <laughs> you know, in the gallery. Yeah. Um, this week, we will be discussing um, a few different topics that I've prepared. I haven't shown these to Sasha in advance, um, but they will include uh, understanding how you should assess certain tasks, how to deal with procrastination, and um, how to stop great work. Yes, stop. Um, before I progress, uh, I'll do a little introduction to myself and Sasha. Sasha, do you want to kick off? Just tell the audience a little bit about what you do. Yeah, uh, I am an entertainer and I am creating a show uh, called On the Mandel Piece. Um, it's a fictional chat show and it's a show like you've never seen before. Thanks very much, Sasha. Um, I'm Jake. I am working to really enhance the way people discover uh, food and recipes and and to modernize that Um, and um, that startup is one of the reasons I'm here talking to Sasha today. So um, we're going to run this the same way we normally run the structure of the show which is we've got some pre-agreed questions, we'll probably run off on some tangents and then we've got a couple of segments at the end and and I've actually got a question for Sasha at the end. a.k.a. Tim Ferriss style. So we'll see how, how you respond to that. Well, I've been listening to him today, so... Oh, good. I think I feel I'm prepared. Oh, I'm good. Ready. Good. Yeah. Exam prep done. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, Sasha, when you look back at a day, a week, a month, a year, how do you... How do you um, determine whether you've made enough progress... How do you determine whether you're happy enough with the progress? Is it an ongoing thing that you're checking? Do you have certain milestones that you're trying to hit? Or do you have a a personal feeling? I always think this way with runners. You know, if you're Usain Bolt, you may beat your last run, but do you feel like you've progressed enough? It's Mm -hmm. quite a subjective idea. How do you you view that subject? Um, Well, I like to tick boxes. Um, And so... What I would normally do is I would have three things that I'd want to do that day. And uh, if I tick them off, then I'd be really happy. Uh, But as things are progressing, um, I think that the deeper I go down uh, the project, uh, the worries that I have are, do, do I make the right decisions that I'm making uh, advancements by factors or am I just still just ticking off small uh, incremental uh, ways forward Um, and I think that that's something I I don't have the answer to Um, I think that the reason it worries me is that you could spend a good year incrementally and having missed that there might be one opportunity or one day that that, that will save you the rate that you're working that year, it might save you five years by that one thing. So um, 
but then at the same time one of those has to incrementally go because you can only go up by factors a certain well not not a certain amount of times but it's certainly not a daily thing that you can do um um so just going back to your question how do i assess whether uh, i've moved the boulder up the hill um i think that currently what i'm doing is it's very instantaneous so if i make something i can then post it within a few days before that i would make something and post it immediately so i feel that my process of creation then publishing has slowed down um but what that has allowed me to do is uh, be a lot more thoughtful uh, with my process and i'm being a lot less hard on myself um and i'm just allowing myself to say you know today this is how far you got so with with art or or entertainment which is what i want to try and uh, accomplish is that i'm starting to see it as it's never finished but merely abandoned so so if i'm creating something i'll get a feeling that my brain has had enough time today like i can't i can't problem solve enough that day but if i feel like i've really made a good stride in it that i've got this piece of work that it's in its on its way that's when i feel most alive i think i think you brought up a couple of really interesting ideas there that i i want to kind of deconstruct one mm. is the is the boulder analogy i love the boulder analogy for a few reasons one of the most common analogies in the startup world is where they describe the idea of jumping off a cliff and you're building the aeroplane as you're falling and for me the reason i prefer the boulder analogy is is this feeling that you're always having to push there's never a moment of respite really and even when you're not progressing you still need to hold it in place there is still a sense of weight on you that you're not progressing at that period of time but equally i would argue that the startup up experience is one where the boulder is picking up dirt as it's going along it's it's only getting bigger the challenge is only getting harder and i i i definitely feel like the mountain is only ever getting steeper and any occasion where you feel like oh i'm going a little bit downhill that's only because it's just about to get a little bit more steeper you found a little bump in the curve mm. or something and you're like oh we've got a bit of respite it's only going to get a little bit harder yeah. from there i like to think of it that way is that sense of ongoing grind i think if you're falling off a cliff there's almost this sense that you could take a little break or something before you're hitting the mm. ground you're racing i don't feel like a startup is a case of a race there's not there's not i don't feel there's a great sense of competition with the startup i mean i don't view it that way and i've never viewed it that way but i definitely view a sense of grind well i mean unless in terms of the only competition it's with your it's with yourself and within your team and and how you know can you make it through not blowing up in internally because like you said startups are mostly very niche ideas that need to be cultivated and so if you've got a really good startup idea you might be in a green meadow or you might there might be people that are in the same position as you um but i mean what i mean uh, this will be an interesting question and hypothetically um 
what how would you feel if you came across uh, a company that was maybe in your in your guesstimation um a year ahead of you yeah it's an interesting question you know i'm i work in a, in a highly competitive sector and and that had to start off with a great deal of market research i think where people come into issues with competition is where they haven't gone to first principles oh sorry phone's off. you had a go at me on the first episode about that i do and we're learning um going back to first principles i think that when you want to have a startup you're effectively trying to solve a problem and when you want to try and solve a problem if you find yourself not really getting to the pain points behind it and you're not really dealing with a matter at hand i think that is where competition becomes scary where you feel like your view of the world could be better represented by another company so you could say well we've got this view but then there's this other company and they've raised investment and they've done all of this I think if you've done your due diligence and gone to first principles, it's not as scary. I definitely feel that was the case with my company. Were I to feel that there were a competitor a year ahead of me, um, it would have to depend on the market. Now, I feel like if you're going into a saturated market, a competitor going a year ahead of you shouldn't really worry you in the sense you're already going into a saturated market. If you're going into a new market and there's a competitor year ahead of you, then you could have second mover advantage. You can learn from their failure. And a bit like um, racing, catch their, uh, um, what's it called? Uh, strip stream. Is it strip, strip stream? Slip stream. Slip stream, slip yeah. stream. <laughs> that's a tangly word. Uh, exactly. I definitely feel that's the case. I think if you're going into a new market, it's nice to have people in there around you that are going to push you. I don't think it's the case that you need to be that fearful. If you're going into an already saturated market, then you might want to reassess why you're going into that market anyway, unless you're bringing something that has, as Peter Thiel says, 10x improvements over your competitor. That would be my feeling on the subject. You said there were two interesting questions. That was one of them. Was there a second? What did I? I said there was an... What did I say was the first one again? Was this one here? Never mind, listeners. Yeah. Don't, don't worry. So the second question is a really interesting one for me, and I think this will be relevant to people, whether they're starting a company or they work for a large or small company, of any company, really. What do you do when there's nothing to do? Now, mm. I think this is, this is an important framing. If you work at a company and let's say you've been tasked to do five things and four of them are out with other companies and one of them you've sent an email to your boss. So you can't effectively do anything at this point. None of your five tasks are really open to you. Now, I think we could all really agree that there's always work to be done. But I've come across this quite a few times where I've prepared for this situation. I'd be good on your thoughts on this, Sasha. Obviously, you're very busy and there's always things to do. But I do seem to find there are always 
certain points in life where it feels like you have nothing to do, but there's a lot to be done. I was yeah, wondering what you do in that point. 100%. Um, that's uh, a really great... Um, that's a really great question. Actually, something that, that I've been thinking about as well. And so I'd, uh, I'll be interested to hear what you'll say, you'll say afterwards. Um, so in regards to what happened with me was that I had written with, with my partner um, a script for the, for, for the proper episode that we're building. And I'd spent a good two months on it. And that good two, I felt very proactive because even though if, it, if, it, if it wasn't anything specific to do, I could go back and reread the script and, and just throw hours at cultivating that script. Even if it was turning a full stop into a comma, it's like you were really just, it, was, it felt like I was, I was just playing with clay and I was just slowly, the sculpture was slowly being appear, appearing. Um, and then we got to a point where we felt that the script was good enough to maybe get a second opinion. So we had someone um, have the script and because they were of someone of note and notoriety, um, they took longer than we hoped. We thought it might have taken them a week, but in fact it took three weeks. And so, especially the way that I am as well, well, first of all, I'm the actor in the show, uh, whereas my partner is more of uh, behind the scenes. So there wasn't really anything for him to do. So we had a very quiet period um, during that three weeks. But naturally, my brain is a highly um, charged problem-solving machine now. And I think that's only come from practice. And so if I stop doing something, my brain will just naturally uh, w want to solve something. Um, I think through that period, um, I f so a great revelation had happened, which was to build the studio, which is in fact an old idea that we had months and months ago. But because we had that, that time, I was able to... Um, revisit that idea and create um, stage plans and get in contact with set designers and it gave me the space in fact to have a very crazy idea and be able to slowly persuade my partner in that crazy idea. So going back and being a bit more specific and pragmatic in terms of your, your question, I would say that um, I see I see my project as different folders and then within those folders are other folders and those folders um, have percentages that are, that are being filled and so for example the script was for a certain section of the episode that's that's in the oven now leave that to bake let's now go to another part of it now the problem for me is that I am a I'm an overly lateral thinker. So what will happen is if I get too much time is that I will spill out into potentially maybe things that, that aren't going to move the boulder forward, that are just adding extra workload to my brain, which could effectively make me more stressed. Again, it's not black and white because some of these crazy Google X department ideas have turned into 
great, great things. So I, I think it's a case of just trial and error. But um, I'd be really interested to hear what you have to say because you seem to me like you've never got nothing to do. Um, yeah, um, I do think it's an interesting question because I come across it a lot. As in, there are certain times where, going back to our previous boulder analogy, the boulder's been taken out of my hands, you know, in a period of time. That doesn't mean the boulder's necessarily going to be improved. We've all had this where we're waiting on a big bet somebody works on something and then we pass it across and hoping that we'll end up three rungs higher on the ladder and we just end up where we were and we're like we made a bet we see what happens um but i think that part going back to the analogy that's when you need to sharpen your tools that that's what we need to be done what you said i completely agree with what lots of people do at that point is go i'll take on another boulder i'll take on another boulder and the problem is yeah. the boulder ends up coming back and you start juggling. <laughs> You've got two boulders. Yeah. If you can't see Sasha right now, but he's figuratively holding two boulders in the air. <laughs> um, and he, that's exactly it. And then you feel overwhelmed. And then at my point, what tends to seemingly happen to people is then they drop this new idea. And this new idea ends up proving no value to the general thing. They're like, well, I've got to get back to my main thing. What happened to this whole thing that you were working on? Well, I can't do that. I've now got... So I think you have to sharpen your tools. I think that's where that's a great opportunity. Um, I'm going to go way, way on in this boulder analogy, by the way. Um, when I used to work in marketing, we had this same thing. And I don't know if you'll find this, but you'll be in the middle of a big creative progress. You've got your boulder, you're pushing up, you know, you're going step by step, fairly formulaic. And someone will go, have you thought about this idea? And it's so easy to go, yes, but you're fairly disciplined, so you go, you know, maybe maybe next time. We'll definitely view that in the future. It's a great idea. And nothing happens with it. So we had something called an icebox, which was literally any idea that dropped out of our head went into this paper document, and it was tiered up by how easy it was to accomplish. One, two, three. And that is the opportunity when you're, when you're left without holding your boulder there, you can do a few things. You can take on the ones, you can take on the easiest ones, knock off some easy things that allows you to do. And then the second thing that I don't think anyone near enough does is sharpen their tools. So why don't I just take a quick video editing course? Why don't I just mm. advance myself? Why don't I make myself a little bit stronger? You know. But that could, could, well, I don't know. Could that also mean then when you have seamlessly, seemingly nothing to do on the project is to, in, to go inwards and think to myself, how can I push my personal boulder up the hill? Yeah. Mental health, exercise. But that's what I mean by tools. These are the, these are the personal assets to you. Those, these are always important tools help you get up the ladder so yeah definitely you know whether you're looking at meditation or you you're like you know what i'm going to increase my fitness levels or anything like that you should definitely view these smaller boulders as things that you can take on and challenge um for me smaller smaller boulders i always know they're there i i have a clear idea so at the moment right now i could say blogging for example there is never too many blogs that i could write for my company so it's always something in the background. I'm like, if I have two, three days, I'll just write for two, three days. I'll produce five, six blocks. Now people 
fairly don't like the idea of being told, do this for two or three days. I've, I've said this to you, Sasha, before. I said, just sit down with the script for two, three weeks. And at the beginning, it sounds almost like, what, just do that? It sounds almost ridiculous for people to be so singularly focused. Mm. But in times where you're not holding the boulder, that might be exactly what's needed. Know the singular task, not fill yourself with little small tasks that actually mean nothing. So you go, well, I end up, I got all my email organized and, you know, I, uh, I sorted out all my folders on my computer. Okay, well done. Like, but is that really going to help you as a tool? No, not really. It was a nice to have, not really an essential. So you've got to work through and see what are these small little things. Mm. I think they're really undervalued because we're never fully busy on the main task all the time. So the periphery ones are actually really important. I don't think they get enough time. I, I think it's really nice to actually hear that from yourself because sometimes, obviously, not sometimes, always, you don't have uh, context of what other people are doing. Um, and uh, I think that sometimes the idea of the, the, the imagination of what you think other people are doing will stress you out because you're like, I'm not, be, I'm not, I'm not working on my boulder, I'm not da, 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 but they probably always are and stuff like that. So it's nice to hear that you do have in your journey, like almost little tangents of half a week of just writing blog posts or whatever like that. Um, 100%, yeah. 100% and you know, a lot of what I do when I work with companies in the past is, is actually try to make people focus on the boulder. I think it's a lot easier for people to try and pass it off and go, oh no, no this is secondary things, not important. Make no mistake, as much as possible, work on the main task, but there'll be times when you can't, and that's when you have to be prepared. And you have to foresee, you have to look at your calendar and you have to go, in your example, sending off the script, for example, you have to go, so I'm gonna send off in a week's time. What am I gonna do with that week? Like, wh what's gonna happen? Well, you know what, I haven't taken a trip in three months. Maybe I'll take a trip then. That's, that's the type of forward thinking that allows you to be really clever with your time that other people don't really play around with. Cool, I think that was a good question. That was a really, really good question. Okay, the third thing I wanna talk about is reassessing tasks. Okay. So I wanna give you the analogy that I use for tasks and then it'd be good to get your thoughts around it. So I view tasks as accordions, as in things that I have to do on a frequent basis. I view them as accordions and when we get them in our work schedule, they're full, they're to the top, they're at the longest point and they take a longest amount of time. So they might start off doing four hours a day, for example, of them. And as you master the skill, the accordion comes closer together. Closer together, and by the end of it, you can do a tweet in two minutes that used to take you an hour. It's definitely how I started with social media. It took me ages, comes down. You, you overthought it, you did this, yeah. you over-researched, etc. Et exactly. And tasks, I tend to find, are like accordions, where you can get them down to an efficient level. And what that means is over time you need to reassess what your work schedule looks like because your your standard tasks now no longer take you as as much as long as they previously did. And so that's when people coming back to the previous question don't find that they have a great deal to be done because 
You know, they used to say, well, it, it took me a day to do this and a day to do that. And now it takes me half a day. So I kind of got the afternoon and you know, I'm a bit cheeky. I watch a movie and then I check my emails and things. How do you view the process of reassessing tasks, reassessing how long things take and mm. where you're putting your effort? So that's looking almost on the macro and seeing how quickly things that work become antiquated. Yeah. And that you have to make big changes. So how do I do that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, I'll be on. I'll be honest. These are all really new things for me. Um, and as you said, as you get further down the rabbit hole, so to speak, all of these things start to become um, really important. So I'm currently reading Outliers by um, uh, Malcolm Gladwell, and he talks about. Um, certain thresholds and once you get over a certain threshold it comes down to the finer details that will um, make the difference between really good and and great Um, so what I think these are these little things about looking at the very detailed uh, optimization techniques is when you'll be really good so again like you said if there's a time where you're um, twiddling your thumbs this is a perfect ex- exercise to do is to look at absolutely everything um, from the, the, the lens of how antiquated is that, how quicker have I got at that process, you know, what can I do with that extra time. Um, well, okay, so I will, I will give you an example. It might be a boring example to most people, but to me it was a really exciting thing that happened, which was I was working on a video uh, where my alter ego character was explaining that he was moving onto the show um, from his own personal Instagram account. And I wanted to put him on, on a beach. So I spliced up his speech so it, it looked, it, it sounded smooth and it had an understa- uh, you know, it, it made sense to the audience. But then I had to put the background in. And because I spliced it up, I had to, there was probably, I would say, six moves to make six micro moves to make in order to get one of those together and I had spliced up the scene which was two minutes long into something like 16 um, bits that needed the background so the first five I did one after the other six processes fine fix that Six processes, fine, fix that. And after the fifth one, I said, then I, I, I need to level up now. I need to, I, I need to do this by a factor. And so then what I did was I experimented and I merged all of the things. I, I looked and I, and I right, right, right clicked and it says compound clip. So I compounded the rest of the clip and did the same one process and then watched it through and it worked. And so all of a sudden, I had saved half an hour, maybe even 45 minutes, just because I thought to myself, step back from that whole incremental process and then how to do that. Um, So hopefully, I will remember that in the future. I really like that. And, you know, I think we are so tempted, you know, myself very much so, to just jump into a task. Uh, I work with a few engineers um, our brother included, um, who think 
have the ability to stand back and try and work out the process a bit more. I think we should all do that. Mm. We should try and, you know, it's that whole, ben, I think it's Benjamin Franklin. He said, if you've got 10 hours to cut down a tree, spend nine hours sharpening the knife. And um, it's definitely like I that. I like that. Yeah. I think it's either that or George Washington. I can't remember which one. Um, it's one. Know, it's one of the blokes. One, you know, one, one of the Americans. One of the founding fathers. One of the Yanks. Yeah, founding fathers. <laughs> never, never founding mothers. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that's quite important. So good to get your thoughts on that. Um, and how about yourself? Well, yeah, like I said, you know, I try and review it every week. Okay. So this this week, I sat down on my whiteboard and I, I went through what are my what are my tasks? How long are things taking? What does the process look like? What's effective? And I make tweaks here and then. Mm. And I think that's what this podcast is and, and what we're trying to do for our lives really is eke out the percent. I remember someone telling me, I can't remember the source about the British cycling team. If you don't know, the British cycling team is a formidable team at the Olympics. And they, they said it's all about the percentage moves, the one percentage moves. It's all about getting to the hotel the night before to get bit better sleep because they'll perform one percent better mm -hmm. it's about how they're efficiently on track and how they efficiently train to get one percent better you can read the idea of uh, gary v's saying of if you want a one percent life you've got to do the one percent things exactly I, I i actually didn't know that line it's a great line great line um but yeah i completely believe in the one percent life it's it's all about not having a one percent life but the incremental one percent are enormous. Um, the last question I want to talk about, uh, I actually want to leave procrastination to another week. I think it deserves mm -hmm. its own week. I want to talk about when to stop great work. Okay, so I think this is quite important. Great work is highly unpredictable in my mind. But when it's two o'clock in the morning and you've got work to do tomorrow and you've been out the night before and you are feeling it but the work is at a great standard you've made a great breakthrough that photoshop file that website that video edit is at a stage you've been wanting for six seven hours at this point you know the dots are all coming together mm -hmm. the adrenaline is pumping through you at this yeah. point and the clock is staring at you you know you can see those numbers ticking oh, like yeah. nothing else 100% the coffee is gone, like you are yeah. running on fuel. But you've got to be cautious of time. And I feel like different people do different things at this point. Can you stop time? Can you say, I've got it to a point where I can view it tomorrow and just kind of take it down that road, like I've picked my right lane now. It's, it's there, I've done the hard work. What are your feelings on stopping when you're doing great work? Um, so last week I had a, a massive rush creative high and um, I feel that the more you encounter these it's a spiral and, and you, you go through these same problems and you just the, the more you work at it you'll see these new problems just from a different angle so old problems from a different angle so and again experimentation so with this with this high i did something very different to what i did what i do before which was i would just double down until i burnt out whereas this time i thought to myself 
Because you're going to get these again. You're going to get these again. So why not try the opposite of what you would normally do? So at the height of it, I walked away. And I was like, I'm actually going to not do any work. I'm actually going to watch a bit of garbage TV. Um, and and so what that allowed me to see was that it was um, it was a rhythm that the brain gets in. It was a flow that, and that's it. It's, it, it's neither good nor bad. It's just what your brain is interpreting. And so I saw it as a way of, um, you've just done a sprint or you've, you, you've just done a hundred meters and you stop, your heart's still beating. And I wanted to experience that from a detached point of view, which was, I know my brain's rushing, I'm getting all these great ideas, but why don't I just stop all the work and, and see what the brain is doing just from an outside point of view. And I think that comes down to doing a lot more meditation recently and, and listening to a lot more spiritual sermons about being in the now and, and, and all this kind of stuff because that kind of flow to me is a form of grasping. It's a form, it is, it, 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 it's a form of trying to fill the void. Uh, and so, so yeah, so going back to your question, how, how do I deal with it? Um, I, <laughs> I tried one of the techniques which I, I said I'd tried uh, earlier on, maybe a few episodes before, about eating carbs to try and slop it down. I love that one, by the way. <laughs> I tried it that time because I was really in a high. Because before, I, I, I think I tried it when I wasn't really in a high. So I was like, really in a high? I really want to walk in on you eating a bowl of pasta that's inside a baguette and go, Sasha, you're trying to calm down, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, uh, our dad, John, he, he saw me at 2.30 in the morning. He was like, what are you doing boiling pasta? And I was like, I, I just got all these, <laughs> I didn't know how to explain it to him. I was just like, can't sleep. And I, I, heard, I heard it in a magazine. <laughs> I heard it in a magazine. <laughs> you sound like the idea when someone bursts in on a, in a teenager in his room, you kind of go, uh, yeah, I just read it in a magazine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to tell you now, I, it didn't really work. I was just really full and lying in bed with, with all these ideas. But I think as well, I, going back to what you had said a couple of episodes as well about sleep, uh, about knowing that you might not have a good few hours that day. So I thought to myself, I've done some really good work. And that work led up from... It was a build-up. It was I met someone and they they triggered the high. But in fact, I had done three or four days of like great great work, and I was editing loads and stuff. So I was just in a very um, limber uh, space. So I said to myself, why don't that next evening just treat it as a chill night? Because you've had you've only had three hours sleep the night before. You're still high because I got to work and I was not tired. I was so I was high and I was hyper. And I thought to myself, I definitely need to have a break. I definitely need to have a break. Whereas before, I would just, I would just run, I would just run with it, and I'd be like, I'm gonna do more work. And don't get me wrong, when I did come back, I did find myself trying to do a little bit, and I was like, no, stop. And it's just, I think it's just a uh, practice. Just finishing off with that statement is that this morning, listening to Tara Bracht, uh, who's a spiritual guide, she talks about mental health or you know, meditation and, and getting a, a place of detachment and, 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 and loving of self is, is a bit like 
dyeing a piece of cloth in this special type of uh, dye, which is you dip it in and you bring it out and it looks like you haven't dyed it at all. Um, and then you dip it again and then it just has just come by one tiny micro shade but you dip it again and that micro shade gets done and then you and that is what it is that is the practice of just constantly going into those processes no i really like that i really i actually want to discuss what you said in more detail again probably in another like episode another around another yeah but i want to discuss a specific thing which was you talking about which is predicting create creative highs mm. Uh, I think it's, it deserves its own space, but around the idea of predicting creativity and feeling enough confidence in your capabilities to to get that steam engine going is is a really interesting concept yeah. to me. So I, I want to come back to that. Um, but yeah, I really like your, your thoughts around that then. Um, I'm, I'm very much in the same vein of I have to know when to put your pencils down kind of thing. You can't... If you if you get to the point where you feel comfortable enough that you can do it again, you shouldn't you shouldn't hang on to your creative eye with fingernails mm. at the sacrifice of so much more. You can't rely on a carb download. No, no, exactly. And, and I think I think that it made me feel that I have confidence that that will come back. It might not come back for another six months. That that one that 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 three or four day period of excessive problems but but i know that that i'm still working on it and 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 that i don't need i don't need that high i don't need the high to to push the boulder up the hill yeah nice um so i want to want to end uh i think we'll leave the in the ether at the moment because okay. I, I think i think we've gone through a lot i we wanna, went through uh, a lot actually yeah, yeah i want to just end on the p uh, on the regression progression but before i do that i did promise a tim ferris question and i yep. will now ask you Sasha. i'm so excited as you should be um tim ferris quite famously asked quite a few of his people what is the best gift that you could buy under a hundred dollars What's the best gift for, for who? Myself or? Well, that you would give to someone else, I guess. Uh, the best thing you can buy for $100, whether it be for yourself or, so, or someone else. Um, that's a good question. Uh, it's not mine, just to be clear. <laughs> I feel like in uh, Behind the Actors Studio when, you know, they do the questions at the end and he goes, to be vous, or whatever the French <laughs> uh, interviewer is. Um I mean, I could. Only, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go go on the fly and say what would what would I like. Okay. What would I like? And for under hundred dollars, I would say that there's this uh, fold-up keyboard that I really would like because I would like to have it for editing so that I can have the screen further back. Or if I'm on the tube, I can have it in my backpack, and then I can use my phone. You know, because like Google Google Drive, I'm starting to work more on my phone. Right. You know redrafting on the phone yeah and if i had a keyboard then my phone really did would become a laptop and i think that that would be a really cool thing so yeah i would say a folding uh, keyboard interesting how about yourself um is there like is it for you are you thinking more generalistic i'm thinking more generalistically like a a great gift that i think would bring people value for under a hundred dollars um well, I was going to say a book, but I just thought that that was... Uh, but if it was a specific book, mm. if you... 
My thing actually at the moment, if if I could give someone a gift, I get someone a uh, one of these new water bottles that seem to be everywhere. These chili, chili water bottles or whatever other brands out there. Chili uh, bottles are the best. They keep cold, cold, and hot, hot. This is definitely not an ad because we've not no. even spoken to them. No. Um, I think that is a great thing to buy someone right now. Um, just a constant reminder of being hydrated. I yeah. think it's really important. Um, and a great way to kind of not keep going for another glass, but to keep you focused and hydrated for a long period of time. I think hydration is essential. Um, okay, that was cool. Good, good to try that. Amazing. Last, so common segment, we're going to go regression progression. I said at the right time, so right way around this time. Yeah. So a regression in the past week or since the last podcast and somewhere where you have progressed. Could be the same thing. I was about to say it's the same thing. Um, and in fact, it happened today. Um, so I, I have a habit of having imaginary conversations with, with people before I have that actual conversation. Um, and what I would normally do is I would try and extensively, and I mean extensively, if it's a big conversation to have, extensively um, predict exactly what I'm going to say and try and predict what they would say which then would prompt me to say this and that and I started I started to do that again for one conversation I, I needed to have um, and I again could feel myself doing it and I thought to myself right let's let's do this differently so the, what I did was is I allowed myself to have the tantrum because I see them as tantrums now I see them as not being in control and, and my brain trying to get back in control of a situation that I don't have a handle on. So I said to myself, okay, have the tantrum, work out exactly what you want to say, work exactly out what your responses are to their imaginary answers. And so I did that. And then I then said, okay, you've got that on paper, but now rather than you just steamrolling into the conversation is actually ask questions rather than express how I'm feeling, express my frustrations. Start with what, what they, how they see the situation. And then that way, what happened was is, A, I had opened up my mind to not having an argument, and B, it made me realize the other party was thinking about it just as much, which was a good sign. And that in fact, they had ideas that they came back to me that I had never even thought of. And that they also, through our conversation, we were able to navigate slightly better how to move forward rather than me having to think about exactly how we navigate. And then if they didn't think the same thing, that, that they were wrong. So that's my regress and progress, which is, if you feel yourself having an, an argument with an imaginary um, colleague or, or whatever, have it, allow yourself to have it, but then ask questions rather than, um, rather than just, uh, what's the word, just unload. Because by, that, by the end of the conversation, by halfway through the conversation, I was able to say the one phrase that I really wanted to say, but it was said when both parties were really calm and then, then the answer was a very calm answer, but it was still friction. 
That's an interesting one. Is there a difference between friction and confrontation? I know, sorry, I just went off on a tangent there. But I think that I'm starting to work out asking or, or expressing things that might cause upset doesn't necessarily have to be done in a confrontational way. And that's, yeah, that's what I'm playing with. That's an interesting one. The word upset is very interesting because, you know, people can be disagree and, and but it doesn't have to be upsetting. Um, my progression regression is the same thing. I said the wrong way around again. Um, it's the same. Um, no, it's we're I learning. think I forgive you. The audience forgives you. If you don't forgive me, tweet me. <laughs> <laughs> What's your Twitter handle? Double underscore Shody. Amazing. Um, I, 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 to, I might have told you this a few months ago I gave up my Netflix account and got a Headspace account I said that's a great initiative to kind of switch from entertainment to good initial yeah to bodily improvement yeah. and mental improvement and I didn't do it because I disliked Netflix I just liked the transition it was a nice mental cue and which has forced me to not watch as much Netflix, obviously, but it's increased my YouTube activity. Ah. So, uh, <laughs> so, so that's the regression, if yeah. it wasn't clear. Now, I haven't had YouTube on my phone for over a month now. Um, and then I kind of watched it a little bit through Chrome because someone's like, I'll oh, watch this when I'm on the go. So I'd watch it through Chrome because I'm logged in through Chrome. And then I got my YouTube stuff. Got rid of Chrome on the phone. Chrome on the phone. Yeah. Chrome on the phone. Chrome, Chrome on the phone. Phone. Second podcast name. Um, but I was finding I was using up my laptop, and I didn't mind at the beginning because I want to make myself use my laptop yeah. more and my phone less because my phone's always accessible, controls my inputs. And what I've done now is I can added a quick Chrome extension that allows me to block any URL. So I've now blocked youtube.com and youtube.co.uk. So when I go on there, it's like, you can't go on here. You've already blocked us. Yeah. Now, I can always undo it. But I use another browser, Firefox, my main browser. So even if I go to my secondary browser, go to Chrome, I can't even log in there. It's been three days now and I haven't gone on. And I've been, someone sent me a link. It's like, check this out. And I click on it and it's like, Oh, yeah, I can't go on. And that's how unconscious I feel like I was going on before. I wasn't even thinking about it, even when I didn't want to go on there. Mm. So I feel like it, you can't make yourself always be mentally strong enough to stop the things you don't want to do. You have to put barriers in place to actually make it that much harder. Otherwise, you're that's relying great, yeah. purely on the mental push, which we don't always have at times. Um, I especially don't have it at times. It's it's so unconscious, it's like muscle memory at points. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a 30 day detox. I'm gonna go all Matt Diavello, uh, who I've talked about. It's great talk about minimalism. I'm gonna take a 30 day break and kind of review it from there. Um, so I yeah. like that. I like that as a takeaway for the uh, end of the episode, which is sometimes you have to put barriers up because your your mental fortitude in those times of failure, those barriers will help. Exactly. So thank you so much for listening. So we've talked about um, the amount of progress. We've talked about what to do when there's nothing apparently to do. Reassessing tasks and, and, and when to stop great work. Um, once again, it's been an utter pleasure talking to you all. Uh, thank you very much. Um, I've been Jake. He's been Sasha. This has been 
the first pancake. Ta-ra. Goodbye.